Well, you just intentionally no, like, I neglected me. I intentionally me. gave you the, the opportunity to come up with your own job title. Oh, you intentionally <laughs> gave me the opportunity to do the work that you're supposed to fucking do, Gordon. <laughs> It's Friday, March the 13th, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Gordon Derrick, Dutch News Contributing Editor and Train Dodger, and with me today is my fellow Dutch News Contributing Editor and Deep State Stooge, Molly Quell. Our other regular co-host, Paul Peters, Master's Student in Civil Engineering and Toilet Roll Hoarder, is now at home with a sore throat, which a week ago would have sounded like a really lame excuse. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure Paul does and not have sudden, coronavirus, but like... Well, although he does say he's had a cold for about a week and now yesterday he developed a sore throat. A sore throat. So it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's sounding increasingly like coronavirus. You know, if Paul would stop going out to the bar and drinking all night, he probably would have, like, recovered from this already. But yeah. that's not what he's doing. And he's been driving tourists around his taxi as well, which I guess doesn't... No, uh, so he's just... He, he, maybe he's the well. reason it's spreading around Brabant. Maybe he is patient zero. Patient zero. Yeah. Brabant's yeah. patient zero. Well, we're going to hear from patient zero. Um, or to, 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 to should we give now, patient we? zero a call? Yeah, so should we give patient zero a call just right. to see how he's feeling? Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. He's dead. He's dead. I think he's dead. Yeah, he's, not, he, he's gone. There's no reply. He's, he's not picking up. He's either dead or he's um, nixoning. He's nixoning. Yeah. Maybe that's what he's doing. He could be. Oh, oh. Oh, have we got a, have we got a connection? Good morning. Are you there, Paul? Hello. 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 How, we're in the studio. How, how are you feeling? Uh, well, I'm feeling a little bit down weather. I have a cold for the couple of, uh, for uh, uh, for the entire week now, and uh, this morning I got a sore throat, so I uh, put myself in self quarantine now. And, okay. Uh, unfortunately, I couldn't be with uh, with you uh, on yeah. the podcast, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I make a surprise visit. I see now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we thought we would. Uh, we thought we'd phone you up, have you join us, just just <laughs> see if you were alive. Yeah, just to check you're okay, and uh, and what are your quarantine restrictions? Have you have you got yourself um, set up in an isolation cell, or what's it looking like? I, uh, I stacked an enormous amount of toilet paper. Good. <laughs> I, will be, uh, I will, will be fine. Yeah. I went hamster last night, so uh, no, I will be fine. That's good. Yeah. Can you explain your justification for stockpiling toilet paper since this isn't a stomach bug and I don't understand why people are <laughs> stockpiling this? Well, I saw on the internet that everybody was doing it, so I thought <laughs> So you thought we just joined the crowd? <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Well, uh,. Enjoy your uh, your experience in self quarantine. How long will you be self quarantining for, Paul? Uh, did the prime minister say something about that? I think yeah. I think they say I, one, once you're clear for twenty four hours, you can go out again. No, I yeah. heard him say oh. that if you're from Brabant, you have oh, yeah. to stay in the yeah. house for six months. No, that's true. Yeah. 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 Sorry. So so, oh, so yeah, you, you, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah, but but at least you can spend the time uh, you know making crystal meth like yeah. you know, all the, everyone else in Brabant. Yeah. Did you stockpile the ingredients to be able to make uh, <laughs> club drugs? Can I make crystal meth with uh, toilet paper? <laughs> Do you know that? I don't know. You got I, four months to find out. Yeah, though. exactly. <laughs> I will keep you updated. Yeah, keep us posted. Meth situation. All right. Well, feel better and uh, enjoy your self quarantining. I'm sure we'll see you on Twitter a lot. Yep. Get well Thank soon. You. Right. Bye. Bye. So, uh, Gordon, why are you dodging trains? What Corona is not going <laughs> to kill you fast enough that you want to uh, try to tackle the NS? No, I just there, there, there was a slightly um, uh, bizarre development yesterday when um, the prime minister had uh, urged people not to go on public transport uh, so that there was less crowding at rush hour times uh, so you know to, to limit the spread of the coronavirus and immediately the NS came up and said oh in that case we'll run fewer trains I saw this yesterday <laughs> I was like what are you doing yeah <laughs> it just seemed completely like counterproductive yeah not like, just uh, they're running fewer trains they're yeah. running fewer trains in rush tied hour. into the spits yeah, yeah like during rush hour yeah. and I was like this so in other words the commuters dumb. now yeah after, straight after the prime minister says we want to thin out the passengers a bit yeah. the NS say we're going to pack them in because you know it, we it's need more fewer efficient. trains yeah, yeah. So, I was very, uh, I was yeah. very annoyed. It by seemed that. a bit of a kind of one of those classic sort of non-joined up yeah. thinking sort of moves, but uh, there we yeah. are. 
We'll see if uh, coronavirus now spreads by train. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, um, yeah and uh, but you only need a hand. I've had a ring endorsement uh, from um, uh, the boys at Bellingcat, which has uh, somewhat transformed your life this week. I, I mean, it was a ringing endorsement. <laughs> it also made my life miserable. Um, so I was covering the MH17 trial on Monday and Tuesday, which of course has attracted every Russian troll yeah. ever. Um, and the folks at Bellingcat, who had sort of got their start basically investigating MH17, yeah. uh, were sharing with the world that you should be following me for my MH17 coverage. There was not sort of a ton of kind of stuff happening in in, in English, right? Yeah. There was a lot of Dutch coverage and a lot of sort of Russian-Ukrainian coverage, but there wasn't a huge team of, of English-speaking yeah. um, or English sort of writing people at the press conference. And so the head of Bellingcat tweeted that, you know, if you wanted to get good MH17 coverage in English, you should follow me, which is a lovely endorsement and was, was mm. great, um, but was but also a side unbelievable, <laughs> unmitigated freaking disaster, just like totally inundated. Like I just kept getting all these notifications that people were trying to like get into your, like I had the two-factor authentication on for yeah. my email and people were like trying to get into your email. They're like trying to get into your Twitter. I blocked more people on Twitter in a 24-hour <laughs> period on Monday and Tuesday than I have in the 10 years that I've been on that hell site. So it was a it was an adventure. It was a lot. There was a lot yeah. happening. Um, but yeah, it's calmed down a bit now. Yeah. So that's uh, that's good. So you've taken your finger off the block button. I have taken my finger yeah. a bit off the block button. Yeah. Um, but, but basically, there's just this swarm of um, just, trolls like just, locusts just descended so, on you. The so minute it's so crazy. That, yeah. yeah, it's really it, uh, it was very intense. It's a bizarre kind of weird parallel universe, isn't it? That's yeah. the whole t- troll Twitter universe. Yeah, yeah. And once you just sort of get the attraction of people, it just like it's just kind of like whack a mole. Like you yeah. block one and five more pop up. I know. It's yeah. really uh, it's an experience. Yeah, yeah, it's hard work. It's like trying to fight coronavirus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, which would work better if they did something to fight coronavirus? <laughs> yeah. Speaking of coronavirus, yes. Paul's not here, but no. you're going to read us the Alpep of the Week. Yeah, I'll read the Alpep of the Week, which uh, was, of course, dominated, like everything else this week, by coronavirus. Because on Monday, Prime Minister Mark Rutte gave a press conference with the director of the health organisation, uh, RIVM, to update the country on the latest coronavirus developments and uh, introduce the first kind of real set of restrictions. And in the press conference, Rutte uh, announced a number of measures that were aimed to limit the spread of the virus, um, one of which was, of course, uh, asking people not to shake hands with each other. Yeah, which, of course, um, good advice. Yeah, which is good advice on the, on the face of it. However, at the end of the press conference, which was being watched by millions on television and the internet, the Prime Minister then turned to Yap von Dissel, the head of the RVM, and shook his hand. Awkward. <laughs> which just kind of shows what an ingrained habit it yeah, is. Yeah, it's a really it? ingrained habit. Yeah. It's hard to break this habit. Yeah. I, was, I felt very sympathetic for yeah. that. He was sort of, yeah, but he kind of made quite, um, a thing of it, didn't he? So he was immediately corrected by Van Dissel and then immediately said, oh, oh no, no, we can't do that anymore. Yeah. And then they sort of went went back and did like an elbow bump. Yeah, they awkwardly like, elbow bumped. Yeah, which was sort of doubly awkward for the fact that they'd just broken their own rule. Can I just express my deepest sympathies for the RIVM and uh, their its director in particular, who was like an irrelevant public agency that no one cared about <laughs> until the beginning of this year. And yeah. then they were inundated with death threats from the tractor protests. Yes. And now we're dealing now, with coronavirus. Now dealing with coronavirus, and he's got to be on the television, like you know, All the three time. hours a day the this whole time. This guy who just like wanted to get a PhD in statistics or something, <laughs> yeah, he just and, wanted like, a quiet life, not speak yeah. to anybody, and totally made that his career path yeah. is now just like inundated with, yeah. with media attention yeah, so I, I know. very yeah, bad for and he's him. probably a very respected professional and you know held in high esteem he's by probably just like an extremely peers. boring civil servant yeah. as you would want in this role yeah. and now all of a sudden he's just like expected yeah. to give he spends half his time fielding calls from news here and the other time trying to offend off people on twitter who think that he should you know everyone should that sticks off as a, a Russian yeah. oh that as well yeah yeah yeah, so, um, so uh, yeah. Him. I mean, buy a beer for your local VM uh, <laughs> Made America because boy, it's been a rough few months. For yeah, those guys. indeed. Yeah, oh, oh, yeah, um, yes, yeah. People to think of uh, the the elderly, the the frail, and uh, people who work for the RFEM in, in these difficult times. It's very true. Yeah, so obviously, Rutter's handshake then became a meme on the internet, um, which at least has had the effect that uh, everyone is very aware of the fact that we shouldn't be shaking no. hands. We didn't shake hands this morning. We, well, we never do. I know it's weird. I yeah. would find it to be weird. I, I didn't shake. Truby's hand either. It's well, Truby is insulted. Yes, and I dogs know. can't get Corona. Yeah, it was announced yesterday. But so can they spread it? He's doubly insulted. Coronavirus, as we said, has dominated the news this week, and we'll bring you up to date with all the latest developments in the Netherlands. Um, there is also news of the King's apology to Indonesia, the long-awaited start of the MH17 trial, and a damning report on the Dutch tax office's handling of the parents who were accused of benefit fraud. 
It has been a week, man. Yeah, it's just like an awful lot. It's happened. been so much stuff that's happened. Yeah, and like we I, couldn't I, I just, decide. We like had a not a real knockdown, dragout <laughs> argument, but in a, a serious discussion yesterday. It was hard about to what was, It was hard to figure out what to put into the podcast this yeah, week, and we don't usually that. have this problem. It's yeah. usually like, and I tell you, you know, MH17 started, which everyone has been looking towards for like years and years, and I almost forgot about it because yeah. you know everything's just been overwhelmed yeah. by Corona. I yeah. forgot about the uh, child tax. Yeah. thing handling which we had been following I had been following I had interviewed families I had done all this stuff and I would just it, I totally missed it, it yesterday over your head, yeah. yeah completely no public gatherings of more than 100 people work from home if you can and don't visit the elderly or people in poor health those are the main measures announced by public health minister Bruno Browns to try to limit the spread of coronavirus in the Netherlands at a press conference on Thursday, Prime Minister Mark Rutte said he didn't rule out further measures, but stopped short of closing the schools. Rutte said the social cost of asking children and their parents to stay home would be too great. Up till Thursday, the number of confirmed coronavirus cases stood at 614. No doubt by the time you listen to this, it will have gone up by, by a fair bit again. Five people have died and the largest cluster of cases is in North Brabant. Lots of developments, lots of talking points about the coronavirus outbreak, and we will get into all of those in much more detail in our discussion. I am looking forward to the discussion. Are you? No, I'm never looking forward <laughs> to the discussion. But, but we have to do. What it. else am I supposed we're, to we're, say? We're, we're a news podcast. We're gonna do it. Yeah. yeah. For 19 minutes before a silent courtroom on Monday, a Dutch prosecutor read the names of all 298 victims of the downed flight MH17 during the opening of a trial of four men accused of being involved in the crime. Three Russian men: Igor Gurka, Sergei Dubinsky, Olaf. Pulatov and one Ukrainian man, Leonid Karchenko, are charged with 298 counts of murder for allegedly supplying the book missile that prosecutors say shot down Malaysian Airlines Flight 17 as it was flying over eastern Ukraine in 2014. None of the suspects were present in the courtroom. They remain in Russia. Uh, Pulatov, though, had retained counsel, and his two Dutch and one Russian lawyers were present. Dutch trials generally begin with what is called an inventarisieren, sometimes translated as an inventory-taking or stock-taking, where the court takes stock of what evidence will be presented and addresses preliminary issues. On Monday, judges ruled it was possible to move forward with trying the three of the men in absentia. Pulatov is not considered to be being tried in absentia since his lawyers were present. Hearings wrapped up after two days. Uh, several requests were made by the public prosecutor, the defense counsel, and the lawyers who are representing the next of kin. Um, the judge will rule on those when hearings return on March 23rd. Okay. And did we get any sense from that uh, kind of stock taking of what the main lines of argument from the prosecution and defense are going to be? Um, well, I will I will make one note about this, which is, is that, the as I've been explaining all week, uh, the Dutch legal system is an inquisitorial system, mm. not an adversarial system. Um, so what that means is, is that the prosecutor is supposed to be presenting the evidence in the fairest possible light, not the evidence as it best uh, sort of suits their version mm. of the crime, um, which I think is very confusing for people who come from an adversarial yeah. system. Um, so what the prosecutor was mostly outlining uh, this week was... Uh, the evidence, the chain of evidence and how the evidence was sort of proved to be connected. There's a lot of, um, as we kind of mentioned at the start, this investigative journalist outlet Bellingcat had done a lot of research into some of the open source stuff, in particular looking at photos and sort of geolocating them and that sort of thing. Um, and a lot of this stuff is kind of new methods of evidence. I mean, usually in like a murder crime, you have like DNA or eyewitnesses yeah. or a murder weapon. And of course, like, well, they, they sort of have a murder weapon, but not mm. really. Um, and of course, in this case, you don't have that kind of stuff. So there was a lot of discussion of just sort of like demonstrating that the evidence is fair, unbiased, not um, uh, complicated, that kinds of stuff. Yeah. Um, the That seems to be the focus of the prosecution. Uh, the defense seems to be basically trying to poke holes in the yeah. evidence um the it the 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 approach sort of just seems to be to kind of claiming that ukraine was involved basically trying to muddy the waters mm -hmm. i don't think anybody was like too surprised that this was their line of of attack you know it's that old saying about if the if the facts aren't if yeah. the law isn't on your side you know attack the facts um yeah. kind of thing yeah so that's that's what we've um that's what we've been yeah. seeing and uh so we will see kind of what happens on the 23rd kind of what um mm. what decisions the judges are going to make about a few a few of these sort of procedural questions and of course you and um the two 
reporters from Asymmetrical Haircuts uh, had a long um, uh, explainer on yes. this on last week's podcast, which everyone, anyone who's interested in MH17 seriously should very much go back and listen to. So yeah. we'll link to that too. Yeah, we had yeah. a pretty extensive discussion about it. Um, I will say one thing that we didn't really talk about on the podcast that mm. I think has been kind of interesting this week, although people's eyes keep blazing over when I bring it up, <laughs> but you know, we're going to have to, maybe it's a good moment to uh, yeah, do something else on the podcast that you don't, if you're listening to it, that you don't have to pay too much attention. But um, the rules for the involvement of victims in Dutch criminal trials has changed over the past few years, and that mm. has really played a big role, like sort of in this. I mean, in no, no small part because there is a, you know, a large number of, a lot of sort victims. of next of yeah. kin, um, and that they really want to have access to more information. One of the things that's at question is whether or not they can have access to the full um, case file, which mm. the prosecutor does not seem to want yeah, for security reasons. Yeah, includes AIVD reports and that kind of thing. I exactly. Yeah. Um, so I think one thing that's been kind of interesting, and you know, if you're interested in, in sort of the legal topics, is to kind of see how yeah, the role of the victims kind of plays out um, over the next couple of months as they make yeah. rulings on these on these sorts of things. Yeah, and of course there's more opportunity now, isn't there, for victims to actually give um, test or testimony or make statements to the court. Yeah, there will yeah. be, I think there's 40-some 40, 40 that are planning yeah. on making a, a, a statement. Um, people, witnesses in general, don't actually usually testify before Dutch court. You usually are examined by yeah. an examining yeah, yeah. magistrate and whatever. Yeah. And there's like 80-some who are want to put in a a written impact statement um, although those numbers were repeatedly stressed by all sides that they are preliminary numbers I think it's likely that they're going to go up before yeah. the uh, before the trial no is, is really starts on the merits yeah okay so yeah so the next court date is 23rd of March uh, yeah. coronavirus permitting and we'll keep uh, you all we'll um, update updated you as ever yeah, yeah. King Willem Alexander has apologised during a state visit to Indonesia for the violent excesses by Dutch soldiers during the War of Independence between 1945 and 1949. On what was his first official state visit to the country, the king said in, that the past could not be erased, but will have to be acknowledged by each generation in turn. In line with earlier statements by my government, I would like to express my regret and apologise for excessive violence on the part of the Dutch in those years, said the king. I do so in the full realisation that the pain and sorrow of the families affected continues to be felt today. However, he also said it is a hopeful and encouraging sign that countries which were once on opposite sides have been able to grow closer and develop a new relationship based on respect, trust and friendship. The Dutch military interventions in Indonesia, or the Dutch Indies as it was known then, followed the proclamation of the Independent Republic of Indonesia in 1945 and lasted until the country formally gained independence in 1949 after a bloody struggle. Is this the first time that the Netherlands has apologised to Indonesia? No, but it's the first time the apology has come directly from the head of state. Uh, at the end of 2011, the Netherlands formally apologised for the massacre of hundreds of men and boys in the Javanese village of Rawagede in 1947. In 2013, the Dutch ambassador to the Netherlands made a similar apology. And in 2015, um, the Prime Minister Mark Rutte said he regretted the fact that Indonesian victims of the Japanese invasion during World War II felt misunderstood, although he stopped short of uh, actually issuing a full apology at that time. Yeah, lots of uh, lots of half-assed apologies. Going yeah, on there, it's just some gradual apologies, but this seems to be you now like uh, the real deal. As ever, I think you had this divided opinion in Indonesia. Some people said it was too little, too late. Yeah. Others said, well, there were some people even who were saying that you know it, it's so long ago now that really we, we, we've all moved on from it. Yeah. But I think in general, it's acknowledged the fact that you know the, the Netherlands was or the Dutch military were in the wrong. Yeah. Um, to, to a certain extent, to a great extent, during the War of Independence. They did not behave very well. They, they did not distinguish sure. themselves. No, no that's no. true. Speaking of people not distinguishing themselves, let's talk about the Belastings. <laughs> Indeed. The committee investigating the Tuslache affair has concluded that around 1,800 families are entitled to compensation from the Dutch tax office. Parents were wrongfully labeled as fraudsters by the tax office, their childcare benefits were halted, and they were forced to pay already received money back, which often led to parents ending up in serious financial problems. In November, the committee, which is chaired by Pete Hain Donor, already concluded that 300 parents were victimized by the Belastingdienst and a compensation scheme was arranged for them. Other recommendations by the committee included a further investigation by the tax office whether or not the families were victim of prejudicial treatment between 2014 and 2016. Parents who can demonstrate that they were included in the tax office's, quote, group approach should also be eligible for compensation. So is this compensation going to apply to all the parents uh, who were affected here? 
No. Donor said that some parents may have been adversely affected through normal legal procedure, but that the consequences of the application of, quote, 15 years of child benefits are impossible to review and that the only the worst affected could be compensated. Payouts to the parents are likely to run into the millions of euros, which is why the package will have to be first discussed by the cabinet. That's according to the NOS. Right, so they have to make uh, all that money available from yeah, somewhere. And they gotta yeah, and they've got to figure out where it's going to come from. In sports news, Ajax, Azad Alkmaar and Feyenoord all won their matches at the weekend to keep the Eredivisie title race bubbling. Azet were ruthless in dispatching their former landlords, Ado Den Haag, 4-0, with captain Tone Koopmeiners scoring twice. Ado, uh, of course, rented out the stadium to Azet um, while the stadium in Alkmaar was being repaired when the, after the roof collapsed. Ajax had a harder task against Herefein, but eventually prevailed 3-1, while Feyenoord beat Willem II 2-0 in Rotterdam to stay within six points of the front two. When the teams will play again is anybody's guess, because the Canfe Bay decreed on Thursday that all football matches were being postponed until after April the 1st. That was in the wake of the government's decision to ban gatherings of more than 100 people and the Football Association decided to suspend the competition rather than play games in closed stadia. Is there Dick Lawyer news? Uh, of course there is. Yeah. Okay. Dick Advocat was one of only two people put up for interview by Feyenoord after their match uh, against Willem Trey uh, because of uh, concern about coronavirus. Uh, despite being 72 years old, he said he was fit and unafraid of the virus. So, oh my god, could Dick Lawyer get coronavirus? That would be the worst tragedy. That would be, that would be awful. That would be That'd the be worst terrible. thing that could happen to this country. Yeah, let's all uh, uh, t- take a moment to, to pray for Dick Lawyer. Yeah. yeah. And uh, there's been a lot of uh, sporting event coronavirus news. I heard Ritza say that people shouldn't go to their sports canteens this weekend. Yeah, there's been a lot of cancellations. The Rotterdam Marathon on April the 5th, uh, that's been postponed uh, probably till about the autumn sometime. Uh, the National Basketball League's been suspended. We had um, a National Basketball League? There is a National Basketball League. <laughs> a country of tall people should be, should be better it's at true. basketball. Why are really? they better at basketball? Yeah. Indoor sports would bit of a concern mm. because of the way the virus spreads uh, the Chinese Grand Prix on April the 19th and of course also the Australian Grand Prix now mm-hmm. um, they've both been cancelled and of course that brings into question the following race on the calendar the Dutch Grand Prix <laughs> in Zandvoort yes which is scheduled for May the 3rd Ugh, that's too far away it's going to go on isn't it we're just going to have to see if yeah. something was going to get ruined by Corona <laughs> it should have been the, <laughs> that's the a one, stupid yeah. thing UEFA is meeting next week to decide whether to postpone this summer's European Championships football tournament um, until next year so the Dutch will have to wait another year to um play their first tournament in eight years and possibly the biggest tragedy of all the darts premier league in rotterdam on may the 25th and 26th has been called off that's that's really tragic it is it's, uh, it's not say yeah barney retired just in time it seems. it's true yeah climber yeah. from barnefeld online booking firm airbnb is facing a bill of up to 200 million euros after a court ruled that it was not entitled to claim booking fees from its dutch customers The district court in Amsterdam said in a 16-page judgment that the platform was in breach of a Dutch law which forbids middlemen from taking fees from both parties in a transaction. Airbnb was ordered to repay 470 euros in fees to a customer who brought the case, but the ruling applies to all bookings made by tourists based in the Netherlands. Airbnb now faces claims from anyone who paid the 15% accommodation fee since 2015. The platform will only be allowed to retain the 3.6% fee it takes from owners. Okay, so uh, there was another Airbnb case recently. Are these two connected? Mm, No. Okay. You're referring to the Council of State decision in January, which found that it was illegal to rent out a property to tourists without a permit because landlords are effectively removing a home from the national housing stock. There is a case that is related to this. The Dutch Supreme Court decided in October 2015 that the rule which bars intermediaries from representing both sides of a transaction applies to all real estate, employment mediation, and financial products, it gave Airbnb as a specific example. Right. Airbnb presumably is not happy with this. Of course not. And they said, this decision is against European law, according to an Airbnb spokesperson. And actually, that might be true. The EU's highest court ruled in December that an intermediation service which, by means of an electronic platform, as intended to connect for remuneration, potential guests with professional or non-professional hosts offering short-term accommodation must be classified as an information society service. That word salad basically means that Airbnb is an information service, not a real estate company. And as this case was referred to the court by France, it couldn't be regulated as a real estate agent. That's what France was trying to do there. Okay, so so this isn't the end of the story then? No, at a minimum, I think Airbnb is going to appeal this to a higher Dutch court, yeah. and then we'll see it if it ends up in the court of justice yeah and see, see where it ends up but i've already been seeing adverts on facebook saying that i can claim my airbnb fees back yeah so the claims lawyers have uh, been, uh, been all over it already yeah, yeah i mean it's a it's a pretty hefty fee 15 percent. if you've it used is. airbnb a couple of times exactly in the last if, year if you made a couple of bookings problem. if you yeah. booked like a two-week holiday or something with yeah. airbnb you could potentially uh, have, have a quite a, quite a lot yeah. paid back yeah, yeah for sure 
We'll be bringing you up to date on the coronavirus situation after this word from our sponsors. Yeah, we'll be bringing you up to date in, with information that will immediately <laughs> yeah. be out of date, be out date by the time, time this podcast is published. Yeah. If you're using your period of self-isolation to catch up on the Dutch News podcast, why not back us on Patreon? Keeping you up to date with the latest news, sport and political developments costs us time and money, and we're really grateful for your contributions, especially if we have to start stockpiling dog food for Truby. We did start stockpiling dog food for Truby. This week, we say hello to two new patrons. Um, Firstly, to uh, DarkHamster100, who didn't give us any other details, but a big thank you, nonetheless. Do you think that's the name on their birth certificate? I don't know, but they're, they're, they're not in the Netherlands. Money, that so name no. would definitely be no. They wouldn't be allowed in the Netherlands. Sure. No, definitely yeah. so can't be a Dutch contributor. Anyway, thank you very much. Uh, also to James Kroll, who asks us, "What is your favourite country and why is it Scotland?" <laughs> <laughs> I think this might be the James Kroll that I know. Is it? Judging from that question. Ah, okay, yeah. right, yeah. Uh, well, only one of us, uh, I think, uh, professes a love for Scotland, and it's mainly just, I lived there for thirteen years, and it's a great place. I really enjoyed it. I do it. like Scotland. Yeah, um, I quite enjoy. I mean, yeah, Scotland has lovely whiskey and um, and and delightful accents. <laughs> What more could you ask for? <laughs> um, I, yeah, I sadly didn't pick up one of those when I was living there. No, there you are. did not. It's no. very disappointing. It is. You're I know. Like, I'm sort so, of from Scotland, but yeah. like not really. I feel yeah, fake, I feel guilty fake about Scottish that. Person. Yeah, well, I've, I've got two Scottish children, so that's I feel true. Like, um, yeah, you're I, sort of. Anyway, I get Scotland from my ancestry as well. So uh, what's your? So do is Scotland your favorite country? Yeah, it's hard to answer the question. Favorite it's hard country, to say where's favorite country. It kind of comes and goes. I mean, I liked. I loved living in Scotland. One of the great things about living in Scotland is when you move to the Netherlands, you think that the weather's really good. Most people come from nice warmer drier places yeah yeah i don't know if i can identify favorite country i mean i love i lived in india for a while of india i really like mexico like food the food is really great there i don't i don't think i could pick one i mean like if i had to pick a place to live i would pick the netherlands like as much as i love to complain about it but like so i guess in that sense it's my favorite country but like there's much more fun places to visit in part because like i live here so the netherlands does not seem like a very exotic locale to like go on vacation to yeah so so your favorite country to live would be the netherlands um what would be your favorite country to visit favorite country to visit of the places Uh, you've actually been to of places I've actually been yeah. to. Uh, I think India. Uruguay and like Peru. There's some like really nice oh. places in South America. Oh, Maybe yeah, Uruguay. Get, get you. Yeah. Globetrotter. I'm a bit of a globetrotter. That's <laughs> true. I don't know. You know, that's that's uh, some some people spend their money by having children. Some people yeah, spend their money on traveling the globe. It's I up know. to you. Yeah, it's sad. Uh, I think uh, I here. I will give a shout out to Luxembourg as a place to go visit. <laughs> really? I we went for a weekend. It was really delightful. The city is beautiful. <laughs> they have really good food. Like, there's lots to good do. Bars. I, I've passed through Luxembourg on the way to other places and uh, spent the night there once in a while. It's Yes, I highly. If you live in you know sort of this area of Europe and you want a weekend getaway, I highly recommend Luxembourg. If you'd like to join our army of sponsors, well, our small squadron of sponsors, uh, but it's less than a hundred people, which is good. Yeah, but they're uh, very dedicated. They are very dedicated, so it'll be okay. Yeah, uh, go to Patreon.com/slash/DutchNewsNL. The Netherlands is a patient, and the patient needs treatment. And the only way to treat the patient is to give it some medicine and see how it responds. That's how the Prime Minister, Mark Rutte, characterised the government's attempts to limit the spread of coronavirus. Uh, the first case was confirmed in the Netherlands by Bruno Brauns uh, two weeks ago, and since then the number has uh, gone up uh, rapidly, although not as rapidly as um, in, in, in some places. So we're going to use our discussion to take stock of exactly where we are at, uh, where what restrictions have come into place, and uh, how things might pan out over the next few weeks, although that's obviously very hard to predict. Why are the Dutch so obsessed with taking stock of things? Well, they just love to... They love yeah, they love that inventaris and bookholding. It's just a really ingrained. Check your bonuses. Yeah, no. indeed. Yeah, calculate everything to the second decimal point as well. Yeah. Yeah. So. I'm Gordon. I'm going to ask you what the latest figures are, but I yeah. want to note that we are recording this on Friday morning, and this podcast will come out on Friday afternoon. Um, so the numbers are likely to be wrong. They will already be out of date. And if you're listening, and if you're to listening this, like, over Tuesday the weekend, or Wednesday, this will seem be like, real out of date. This will seem like a throwback to a, yeah. to, to, to an innocent like, golden age. It'll it, yeah. seem like a decade ago. Yeah. So, but at least tell us where we're at right yeah. now as we record. So on Thursday afternoon, we get updates at two, two o'clock on the dot uh, every day from the RFM yes. at the moment. That's worth saying if you're if you're tracking this. But on Thursday. The, um, the number of positive tests for coronavirus stood at 614. Uh, the first one was announced, as we said, uh, two weeks ago. Uh, in the last two days, the total has gone up by just over 100 a day. Five people have died, three parent patients were in their 80s, one was in his late 70s, and there was a 68-year-old with health complications. The largest number of cases is clustered in Nord-Brabant, uh, where there have been 273 positive tests. Uh, by contrasting Groningen, there's been just two, uh, so a bigger variation around the country. Brabant is a focus of concern, mainly because 
not all the infections there can be traced to people travelling from abroad. So it's now assumed basically the disease is spreading within the community and there's probably more cases than have been reported. The public health agency, the RFEM, also carried out tests on health professionals uh, in the last week, including those who just have mild symptoms, and that turned up um, the fact that 102 people working in the sector uh, have the virus. Yeah, so not only is it spreading, but it's spreading to medical professionals. Yeah, indeed, which, which obviously is... Never a, a great sign. Is, 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 yeah, it's always a bit worrying. But yesterday, the Dutch announced some measures. So yeah. what are these measures? Okay, so this is the second batch of measures. Uh, first of all, on Monday, of course, we had Mark Rutte's famous handshake. Right, uh, there was a handshaking ban. There was a handshaking ban, uh, and uh, also the people in Brabant were asked to work from home and avoid social contact. Yeah. Uh, on I Thursday, mean, people in Brabant should avoid social contact anyway. I think we should all just avoid social contact with I, people in that's Brabant. That's true. Uh, we're yeah. doing that with Paul. Yeah. Uh, so we were leading we're the way We're self-isolating from we're, Paul, indeed. and everybody should do that. Yeah. So on, on Thursday, they, they ratcheted them up uh, another notch. Um, gatherings of 100 people or more have been cancelled until the end of March. Obviously, that affects concerts, sports events, public meetings, church services, also weddings and funerals. Does it um, affect church services? Are there still yes. church services in this country with more than 100 people? I think there probably are some um, kind in of evangelical... In the Bible Belt, certainly. Okay. I think so. If you start pausing on Sunday morning... How annoying would it be if your wedding was cancelled? Yeah. I know. That would be really frustrating. I know. If people think about this, there was a funeral director I see is now asking people not to put funeral, not to put death notices in before the funeral, but yeah. wait till afterwards. Yeah. So that you don't you avoid people just turning up, yeah. and then they, because if they get to over a hundred visitors, they have to start turning people away. Yeah. I mean, um, I guess you could do, like, shift partying, right? Where you, like, yeah. have a time slot for your wedding for the reception from 8 till 9, yeah. and then, like, 9 till 10 and whatever, but still, that would suck. Or you can live broadcast it, you know. Yeah, you could live, just live stream the wedding. It'll live stream fine. your wedding. Large museums like the Rijksmuseum and the Van Gogh have also been closed, um, and as we mentioned in the sports section, the Football Association postponed all matches that were due to be played before April the 1st, includes the entire Eredivisie programme and the friendly matches against the USA on March the 26th and Spain on the 29th, uh, but also all amateur fixtures, and of course, Matt Rutter said, don't go to your sports canteen at the weekend. But can yeah. we just tell what the most dramatic cancellation is yeah. of all? Probably the, yeah, the, 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 the real thing, I think, the, the, the absolute watershed the, moment. This was, yeah. this was it, the, This tells you this is serious business because Soldat van Oranje has been postponed. Oh my God. How can you live <laughs> in this country with yeah. no Soldat van Oranje? It's crazy. I know. Yeah. I mean, after all the, all the times that they said they were cancelling and then it was back on, yeah. finally we found something that uh, even Soldat van Oranje is powerless to resist. And the joke has been that Soldat van Oranje would even like survive <laughs> the apocalypse. <laughs> so does this mean we're in a situation that is worse than an apocalypse? It's looking bad, isn't it? I mean, yeah. I said, never mind the stock market crashes. Soldat van Oranje not going ahead is real serious business. Okay. Um, second very serious serious course of yeah. action what's going to happen with Eurovision yeah that is also up in the air of course um, and the mayor of Rotterdam uh, Ahmed Abu Talib uh, has said uh, well first, firstly that uh, there are two stages in the decision firstly whether or not the broadcasters decide to go ahead with it but even if they decide uh, they want to run it he can still cancel it on public safety grounds yeah so there's two decisions to be made there and he says that's got to be made basically by the first week of April okay. and given that the bans now are in place till the end of March that's a very narrow window yeah yeah. oh man no Eurovision so, I know imagine that yeah so sad. D Duncan Lawrence would have warbled in vain. And what else? So they're cancelling stuff and what else are we being told to do? Uh, we're also being told to work from home as okay. much as possible. Uh, that rule was, as we say, introduced initially for Nordic Brabant on Monday evening. Now, now it applies to the whole country. Uh, people being asked to not use public transport if it's necessary or at the very least stagger your journey so that not um, everyone's travelling at the same time. Fair enough. Uh, buses and trains don't get too full. Of course, the immediate response from NS was to cancel some trains. Yes, during the spits. <laughs> what are yeah. you doing, NS? What are you doing? <laughs> but there we are. So that's happening. Uh, Bruno Browns has also tightened the rules on self-isolation. So from now on, anyone with any kind of cold or flu-like symptoms should stay at home. Which Paul did today. Paul Paul's today. not here. Yeah, no, so he's being very responsible. Um, a pat on the back for him, although not from, from a distance. From a distance. Yeah. If your symptoms get worse, you should phone your doctor. Don't turn up in the surgery. Uh, Smart. Yeah, call them. And avoid visiting the elderly or people who are in poor health. Uh, although, of course, often those people are dependent on other people to like uh, do their shopping or get them out of bed in the morning. So yeah. that's going be awkward. Yep. I guess the thing there is uh, maybe if you've got an elderly neighbour who you know doesn't have any contacts nearby, maybe just a slip a note through the letterbox yeah. or something saying, do you need a bunch of groceries done? A round of groceries there done? There was a like hashtag that. going yeah. around on Twitter called Corona Hulp, so help yeah. in, in Dutch, um, yeah. of people sort of volunteering to do stuff for people who could not like leave their house. So I think if you're if you're interested in trying to help out, that that's a thing. I mean, most viruses don't do super well on like inanimate objects so like bringing someone groceries even if you're feeling a bit under yeah. the weather is not in, in that catastrophic bag. so yeah. you know you can leave them on the porch outside and let them get them later so yeah 
Um, also, there's also an exception for healthcare workers. Oh, uh, they should only stay off work if they've got a fever right. um, because they're essential workers. Yeah. So you know, if, if, if everyone who's got a sniffle um, stay sort of stays home. away from the hospital, we then we, we don't have anyone to actually yeah. look after the people who are seriously sick. Yeah. So what's the justification for these? What did they say? Okay, so put simply, the, the OFEM has now said that the virus cannot be um, contained entirely. It is going to spread, especially in North Brabant. They have, from taking, one of the things of taking the test is they examine every virus that they get and they've noticed in North Brabant it's coming from multiple sources. Yeah, and therefore it, it, it's, you, you can't you know just contain it within the people who've got it, got it now. So the main thing now is to try and slow down the rate of contagion and make sure the hospitals don't become overwhelmed. We've all seen these graphs on flattening Twitter about flattening the curve so that you don't get a huge spike yeah. and just more patients than you actually have yeah. beds for. So that's kind of the, the point of the exercise now. Um, and uh, especially in Not Brabant, where the RFVM believes there's a large number of unreported cases now, Yap van Dissel said we no longer have a grip on the disease and the period of containment of isolating patients and tracing their contacts is over. Uh, and there's also a cluster in Limburg, which has been traced to the outbreak across the border in Germany. Rutte has also not ruled out further measures if the virus continues to spread, and he can't guarantee that the government's approach will turn out to be the right one. He said, quote, we're having to make 100% of the decisions with only 50% of the information. So I see on uh, tw- Twitter that people are very mad that the schools are not closed. Yeah. So tell me about that, Gordon. A lot of discussion about that. Obviously, yeah. other countries like France um, have, have decided um, in the last few days to close, close all their schools. Uh, Italy did that a week ago. Ireland closer schools Ireland, I think it's closing think, schools yeah. as well yeah several countries uh, it was brought up repeatedly in the debate in parliament um, yes. which uh, took place on Thursday night and got pretty heated Chit Vils accused Grutter of playing with the lives of children their parents and grandparents okay so typical some moderate Vils yeah. language there uh, he also said that people would rise up in mutiny but he said that about everything yeah and they never do no so, also they can't because they're, they're <laughs> suffering from coronavirus and it's hard to mutiny yeah. when you have pneumonia and they're not allowed to gather in uh, groups yeah, you of can't gather in yeah. groups of more than 100 anyway. <laughs> so you've got to mutinize and shift yeah. Uh, the Head Teachers Association, RFAS, called for schools across the country to shut. Uh, Rutter had two main arguments against it. He said, firstly, children aren't at a high risk from coronavirus. Uh, it's mostly a danger to old people. Secondly, he said it will cause huge social upheaval because if children can't go to school, their parents can't go to work. And that has an effect on the economy, but also things like the health service yeah. because you know nurses have children. Yeah. Um, and if, they're, you know, if, if all the children are off school, they can't uh, go and um, staff the hospital wards. However, Parliament did pass a motion at the end of the debate last night, which said that parents who decide to keep their children off school won't be penalised. Yeah, because normally you can't take your kids out unless they're really yeah, sick. Yeah, there's compulsory school attendance, yeah. and if you if you keep your children off school without good reason, you get a fine yeah. and a visit from the Leopoldstadtunnel. Yeah. Uh, so I think that was a good move, sensible move. Yeah. I think because people will be. Seems like a people. very pragmatic and Dutch and sensible approach to the whole fucking school closures things. I suspect yeah. that's going to get us some hate mail, but that's that's how I feel. Yeah, I feel the same way too, and I think it, but people assume that if you take these draconian measures, it will automatically stop the virus. But we don't know that. No. We don't know what's going to happen. It's, it's really, it's well, a really I, complicated business of weighing up the pros and cons of yeah. every decision. Um, and it's not always as straightforward as saying just shut everything down. Yeah, that has well, and you can't too. effectively actually shut everything down. This is part no. of the problem that you're still going to have to go out to the grocery store. I mean, this kinds of stuff. And so, like, you know, you're not going to end up with zero uh, 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 transmission between between people. And I mean, Rita's point is kind of right, that children don't really seem to be suffering from it. They can transmit it yeah. to their parents, but their parents are supposed to be, like, trying to work from home and staying off of public transport. So, yeah. like, you know, it seems like a pretty, I don't yeah. know, reasonable I measure. guess it is interesting to contrast him, and this is something I think um, uh, Tanahan Kuzi brought up in Parliament, to contrast what Rutter says about this with, say, what Macron says. Macron yeah. has said explicitly, we're keeping the kids at school because children spread the virus. Yeah. Whereas Rutter says children it don't is get true. sick, so we're, we think the children should stay in school. Rutter also said if, it was, if the choice was up to him, he would shut the schools. Yeah. But um, his advisors have told him, no, 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 keep them open because yeah. keeping shutting the schools has other brings other complications. Yeah. So yeah, it, I mean, it is at least a reasoned decision. I think I'm kind of, yeah, not wholly reassured because by what's happening because you know we, we just see this virus spreading fast. But I'm reassured by the fact that when the government produces. Um, an argument, it is backed by science yeah. rather than just some random decision by your president to shut the border to yeah. European travellers because you feel like it. Yeah. No, I do <laughs> feel like, even if I haven't agreed with all of the decisions, I do feel like the people who are in charge know much more about this than I do and are making decisions that are kind of reasoned. I also feel like Ruta and the government in general has gotten a lot of heat for like, making financial decisions over the cost of people's health. I don't really think that that's what's happening here. I mean, I know there's been some discussion about the the impact on the economy and people were sort of 
criticizing the decisions to not close the schools based on the idea that the economy is like, oh, it's not going to function and this is bad mm. and that's the only thing that like Ritza cares about. But like, I mean, the reality is, is that even if the schools closed for a little while, you probably wouldn't see a huge overall economic downturn. I mean, it would be bad in the short term, but yeah. like overall in the long term, right? Like things will probably even out. Like, yes, yeah, certainly people don't uh, travel as much now, but like, you know, for example, I've had two trips canceled um, for work and yeah. a personal trip that's been possibly postponed, yeah. but I'm not getting just getting the money back like all of this stuff is like four credits to be used in the future so yeah. i'm just gonna like take my work travel budget and like use it more in the fall than i am right now i suspect yeah. there's a lot of that going on yeah a lot of things will be yeah there will be a lot of catch-up when yeah. The, yeah when the crisis is kind of passed yeah and um, i think it's really disruptive to have you know like kids at home all day and, yeah. and it's really hard for parents to sort of like sort this out and yeah, yeah i mean what are you going to do when all these nurses and doctors yeah. and dispatchers and all this kinds of stuff have to now stay home because they're their kids are home like that's that's tough yeah and i think the flaw in a lot of the the, the, the kind of instinctive uh, arguments to, to to shut everything down uh, is, is the idea that you can somehow stop this virus mm. spreading and actually you i think can't. it's too late it, it's, it's too late for that it, it, people are going to get this virus they are going to sick get sick and um, pe- people are going to die whatever you do yeah and if you bring economic misery on top of that yeah you're not doing yourself any favors. Yeah. So the, the the exercise is now not trying to just stop the virus because yeah. you can't. You can't stop an infection that's, that's that's rooted itself in your population. You can just slow it down yeah. to the point where the, the, the main point is to make, just make sure that the 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 that the healthcare facilities and the hospitals don't get overwhelmed. Right. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, I think the other thing too with this is, is that people sort of underestimate kind of the external problems that happen with these kinds of situations. I mean, we know from a lot of studies after the financial crisis that, you know, the rates of suicide go up and the rates of domestic violence go yeah. up and the rates of alcoholism go up because when people are stressed, this is what happens. Yeah. And so, like, you have to, you know, sort of take those kinds of things into consideration when you're making decisions yeah. like this. It's not just a barring new choice about people yeah. or economy. And I'm getting a bit sick of uh, yeah for the reading a lot of stuff on Twitter about by people who sort of pretending that it is just as straightforward as yeah, that because yeah. it really isn't it's really not yeah okay so what about these travel restrictions I mean you mentioned that the uh, you know the esteemed president of the United States has implemented some <laughs> so what about the Netherlands yes. okay so uh, apart from advising people um, to kind of scale back their use of public transport there are no restrictions on traveling uh, at the moment except of course to Italy and um, places where the, the virus is really flaring up the Netherlands is of course covered by Trump's ban on travel from Europe which will apply to for 30 days to the whole Schengen zone yep. um, from Saturday morning. So Dutch people will not be able to travel to the US from Saturday morning. Uh, the Czech Republic has also put the Netherlands on a list of restricted countries, uh, I think 14 countries uh, where they don't want people to travel from. And the cabinet is considering restricting travel from countries in Europe like Spain where the virus is uh, more widespread. It changes travel advice for Spain on Thursday night to code orange for Madrid which means only essential travel uh, and Catalonia in the yellow zone meaning uh, you can travel but be aware of local restrictions no doubt that will also change in the by the time that um some people listen to this podcast and what about comparing to other countries what are we doing differently what are we doing the same well it's in, in terms of what we're doing differently obviously we're keeping the schools open yeah. which a lot of countries have opted uh, not to do um we don't have um, anything like anything like an inbound travel restriction um only a few outbound travel restrictions um in terms of actually a number of cases um we have fewer cases in france or germany and spain which will have around three thousand cases as of thursday uh italy of course is still the European hotspot more than 15,000 um, now but of course those countries have much larger populations yeah. so with the exception of Italy the Dutch numbers are comparable about 35 infections per million people yeah. um, what we haven't seen is sort of the big spikes in cases that have uh, happened in places like Italy and Spain right. um, last few days the infection rate's going by about 20 to 30 percent a day which means it's doubling every three to four days which is fast but it's not been like the sort of 40 percent we've seen in Italy or 80 percent in France yeah. so, sorry 80 percent in Spain we had uh, a couple of days ago um, US is also seeing rapid growth. Of course, Denmark um, saw a, yeah, a huge, huge spike, huge spike in cases in about yeah. um, in f- the course of in the course of the last week, yeah. and that's why they've put the whole country on lockdown, yeah. pretty much more draconian restrictions. Yeah. I think that's kind of the lesson that once you see that kind of surge, you got then, then, then that's when you really have to shut things down. Yeah. yeah. Um, so at the moment, um, yeah, the, the big fear, of course, is we'll have that kind of flare up, and that will completely change the picture. But so far, and we can, yeah, whether it's luck or judgment, we just don't know. So yeah. far, we've had, yeah, we saw somewhere in the middle. Really, I think of the countries that have um, been been affected. So, what do we think? There's been some criticism about the Dutch not doing enough. Yeah. 
Um, yes, yeah, several epidemiologists said the Dutch should have taken firmer action earlier. Um, Andreas Foss, who's a professor of infectious disease in Nijmegen, told Newsier the measures brought in on Monday, when it was mainly about not shaking hands, were symbolic, uh, but not really significant. Uh, that was before the ban of public gatherings came in and the work from home advice was only applying to Brabant. Um, he also produced this um, uh, chart, uh, which there's a lot of chatter about, which uh, basically shows that the Netherlands, once you scale it um, on the population of the Dutch versus Italy, is more or less on the same trajectory yeah. as, it, as Italy but just a week or maybe 10 days behind. behind. So if that continues, uh, yeah, we could get in um, some uh, yeah, seriously alarming situations in the next week or two. Fritz Rosendahl, who's the professor of epidemiology in Leiden, also said the Netherlands needed to take far-reaching measures soon because the growth was exponential. Um, Nusio spoke on Thursday as well to young Cloudmans of the uh, Amphia Siekenhaus in Breda, obviously in the middle of Bre- uh, Brabant. It's where three of the people have died, Where right? three of yeah. the people, uh, you know, so far, three of the five people so far have died. And he said that, that they are... They are approaching the limit of their intensive care capacity and also raise the spectre of the code black situation code red is when you're absolutely at your limit code black is when you go over your limit yeah. and that's the point when you have to make decisions on who gets treatment and who, and who doesn't who yeah, gets which a respirator and who doesn't those decisions they're already making in italy and it's been quite yeah i think difficult to read some of the coverage that's coming out of that it's where really doctors harrowing. are really trying to decide and yeah. and it's it's man it sounds so savage but you know it's like sort of triage medicine so yeah. you really are only treating the people that you think you're actually going to be able to save which yeah. means you know people over the age of 70 who are most likely to die are yeah. the ones that are not going to get treatment yeah and, and the People, people you think you're going to be able to save with, with the means that you have yeah. because the problem is that they've gone beyond their means yeah. now so if we get into that situation it's really serious yeah. I think the other figure that just really caught my eye is, is a variation in the death rate between yeah. different countries I mean Italy it's nearly 7% now yeah. in China it's 4% in a country like Germany they've had like I think three deaths in two and a half thousand cases yeah. and even here in the Netherlands it's less than 1% so yeah. seeing, yeah, what that tell I mean it, it's very hard to know what that tells you but um, it sort of seems indicate that uh, you know where countries resources are really stretched more people die so what do you think Gordon do you think the Dutch government has been doing enough do you think they should have done more I think it's really hard to tell. I think yeah. um, you can only just sort of hope that they listen to the experts and act yeah. on the expert advice. And I think so far the IFAM seem to have put up, at least been doing their research diligently and, uh, you know, checking all the, all the tests and learning lessons they can learn. But ultimately, I think you're kind of in the lap of the gods a bit. Yeah. You know, I think uh, to a certain extent, how badly the virus ends up affecting your country is partly a matter of luck. luck. Yeah. yeah. You know, if you see a sudden flare up like Denmark saw this week, you suddenly, the whole picture changes and you've got yeah. to completely change your approach yeah. um, whether the government's done enough the one thing I kind of think is that you know things like the handshake ban I don't understand why that didn't come in straight away because yeah, that, that costs nothing yeah. you know and you don't know whether it's going to how much effect it's going to have but it's not going to make it any worse yeah and encouraging so, people to work from home I think is yeah. also a thing that you they, that they probably should have done earlier so yeah. yeah I mean I think it's yeah I mean I think it's really hard to say it, it, you're also like Monday morning quarterbacking a bit right like yeah. had it not gotten worse then if they had implemented these things earlier then people would have thought that they were overreacting and the thing that yeah. you also have to worry about if you're the government is is that if you come in, you know, the first case that they had, if they just instituted a countrywide lockdown, yeah. like, okay, maybe people would buy into it this time, but if nothing bad happens, then yeah. like... People, you, think, people was, think that this is useless. Yeah. And we've seen this a lot actually in hurricanes in the U.S. where they do mandatory evacuations and then your house is fine. So then the next time people are less likely to want to evacuate and yeah. then their house is not fine that yeah. time. So you have to like sort of balance all of these like considerations together. I think it's a really shitty job. Yeah. I feel bad for the people that work at the area. I know, yeah. And I think there's a, there's a limit to what you what you can do. And I think yeah. the problem is we, we've got kind of spoiled in the last sort of century or yeah. so. We've just got used to the fact that we can control and yeah. um, contain uh, the infectious, infectious disease. Yeah. But what's happened here is a new disease has emerged. We had zero immunity in yeah. December because it wasn't in the human population. Yeah. And now it suddenly appeared. We have no vaccine. We have no defense against it. We have no medicine. Yeah. We've had to go back to old school methods. This yeah. is basically the equivalent of marking every plague house with yeah. an X. Yeah, exactly. That's what it is. And that's all we, that's all we have available we have yeah. very primitive defenses against a, against a brand new infection it's that, that no one's immune to yeah. that is really the problem and there's a limit to what a government can do I think there's over expectation from yeah, people of what, thinking of what the, government the government can, can somehow do. magically yeah, solve really it true. Yeah. yeah so what are you doing personally well, I do personally. Well, I, I work from home anyway. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you're fine. That hasn't changed. I'm okay. My kids are still going to school. Um, uh, my son can't go to scouts for the next three weeks because they've decided, even though it's not, they, they, they aren't 
they don't have 100 people in the same place but they've decided as a precaution that they're going to call off their um their meetings which i think is is sensible apart from that i'm not really and obviously there's fewer things you can go to with yeah. your kids like the, the museums are shut and yeah. that kind of thing but i think you know we, 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 we live a fairly isolated existence yeah. <laughs> already so you not much is going to change introverts already so <laughs> not yeah yeah how, how about you I mean, what's, uh, um i had a couple of work trips canceled in the next couple of weeks um they are trying to get us to work from home as much as possible. I think for most stuff that I have going on for the next couple of weeks, I can do it from home. So that's, I think, what my plan is, yeah. is to sort of avoid public transport. Um, my partner is still going to work as of now, although they are discussing today what in, what sort of measures that they are going to take. I mean, I think mm-hmm. the biggest concern there is that just trying to minimize the amount of time that people are spending on, on public transport. Um, so they're talking about maybe trying to do some like shifts and mm-hmm. like let people work like more extended hours so that you can come in earlier or leave later so that you kind of are keeping people off of the trains during the spits, which I think is a good idea. Um, yeah, we sort of took some precautions a couple of weeks ago and started stocking up on a few sort of essential things. Not, so so, so not you, began, you began the panic buying in, we in did. Delft. Yeah. We, um, yeah, we, you know, we picked up some extra pasta. We sort of went through the medicine cabinet and made sure we had enough paracetamol. We bought some extra dog food, that kinds of stuff. I mean, we, we sort of took the approach that we didn't want to buy things that weren't shelf stable and make sure that we had stuff that we were going to use anyway. So that like, you know, in all likelihood, we won't be quarantined. And just in a couple of weeks, we'll just kind of eat our way through some extra spaghetti that we were, <laughs> you know, not otherwise going to have in the house. But yeah, so we have been, you know, trying to be kind of like sort of relaxed about yeah. it, I think. I've canceled some social engagements, not because of the engagements themselves. I'm still sort of going to stuff in Delft. We're actually going out to dinner tonight. Mm. Um, but stuff that sort of puts me on public transport, yeah. I'm going to not be doing for the next couple of weeks. So yeah. I'll be missing a meeting in Amsterdam and some stuff like that, some, some hanging out with friends on Monday because yeah. I have to get on a train to do it. And that, I think, is you know, sort of the most uh, likely spot that you, you will come in contact with somebody that has it. Yeah. And so I've that's that's kind of what we've been doing. Yeah, no, I'm reassured to hear you're going out to dinner because that seems to be the question on every Dutch journalist's yes. lips. The media. Whether or not you're going yeah, out. Yeah, to but dinner. that's the only thing they cared about. Yeah. Can I still go to the restaurant? Yeah, two it's two true. people asked two that people about the press conference, yeah. didn't they? Yeah, I mean, I do. I it was very entertaining <laughs> to sort of watch that, but I do think it's like kind of a serious question in that. Okay, it's fairly obvious that like a really crowded bar is a bad place to go, but where yeah. are we drawing the line exactly yeah. on this? Ritza sort of said, you know, you don't. Most restaurants don't have a hundred people in them at the same time, and that you're not sitting that close to people. And this was kind of what we decided that like you know we're gonna we're gonna go and we're gonna not shake hands and not hug and not kiss but other than that we're gonna go out to eat and that like that's that's kind of our plan and unless things get worse that's kind of the approach that we are gonna we're gonna take yeah but i guess at some place i mean i think spain belgium italy they've all shut down down their bars and their restaurants yeah so in some countries that has been um, uh, one of the measures they've taken yeah so yeah, I mean, I think we'll see an uptick in, you know, the number of people that are subscribing to uh, to Netflix shows. I checked yeah. a couple extra books out from the library, and that was also a thing that I did. That's so we're just kind of planning move. on having, like, a, you know, a bit of a homebody couple of weeks and sort of seeing what happens. And if things seem to get worse, then maybe we'll do, you know, things a bit more stringently. Yeah. I am really hoping that my partner does not work from home, because I think all of us, <laughs> I think we're going to kill each other if we both have to be in the house together working from home for two weeks. And I think a lot of people feel this and way. I think a lot of people are, are, yeah. are kind of approaching that with a certain sense of dread. Yeah, you know, you got to remember coronavirus will kill people but like yeah, so will like me so will arguments over who's uh, yeah, who, who, who's, who's slowing left, down who's the left, wi-fi and who gets the good yeah, computer who's, who's, left, and stuff. who's left the washing up on the side again. exactly yeah. so you have to keep that kind of stuff in mind indeed that's all we have for you this week this podcast is a production of dutch news which can be found online at dutchnews.nl we'll include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes you can get in touch with us by email to podcast at dutchnews.nl and if you want to help us out, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating. You can also back us on Patreon at patreon.com slash dutchnewsnl and earn yourself a free shout-out on the podcast. My thanks to Molly Quell. Um, get well soon to Bell Peters. I'm Gordon Darroch and uh, if we're still around, we'll be here back next week. We'll be back next week. Yeah, eh, we could, you know, we could remote into the podcast, so if we got to do it well, that way, f- we'll f- make f- it happen. Yeah, and we'll have a seance if necessary as well. well yeah, it's true, and it's very true. If, if Paul doesn't make it. Thanks, Gordon. <laughs>